Today we're going to study the exile period of Israel's history. Now we want to look at six things just as it is on your outline. Do you have an outline? All right, it runs two pages. I simply could not get it on one page. As a matter of fact, I tried to get it on one page and uh, I just didn't have time to reduce it to one page, which in some respects is fortunate because that gives us a fairly entire picture of this whole period. So we're going to look at six things, starting with the scripture, the theme, the geography, the time, the events, and the person. First of all, the scripture. What scripture tells us about the exile period? Well, 2 Kings 24 and 25, 2 Chronicles 36, Jeremiah 40 to 44, parts of Ezekiel, all of Daniel, all of Daniel, Psalm 137, and Ezra chapters 1 and 2. That's the scripture. Secondly, the theme. The theme is the judgment of the nation of Judah. Now, that judgment is predicted in Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 1 to 12, and Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10. Let's take our Bibles and turn quickly over to Jeremiah. Uh, I don't want to spend much time looking up these passages because if we did, then we would, uh, we would uh, not get through. Now, I have a notice here that a white Chrysler license IM4951 has the lights on. A white Chrysler IM4951. Mr. Mizell, that is you, is it? All right. White Chrysler, I am 4951. Lights on. Jeremiah chapter 25. Jeremiah chapter 25. Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim. The fourth year of Jehoiakim is 605 B.C. The son of Josiah, king of Judah, that was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Now look down at verse, uh, verse 11. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an horror, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon. How long? So right at the beginning of the exile, uh, Jeremiah, by God, by God's inspiration, tells them how long the captivity is going to last. How long is it going to last? Seven years. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. Verse 10. Jeremiah 29, verse 10. For thus saith the Lord, after seven years are accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return even unto this place. So the Lord God predicted even before they went into captivity that their captivity would last 70 years and when we come to Isaiah chapter 44 he even names 150 years before the man is even on the scene. God named the deliverer of, uh, of Judah the man who issues the decree that allows them to return from Babylon back to Jerusalem. His name is Cyrus, and he's predicted in Isaiah chapter 44. That's why the liberals, that's why the liberals, especially in the seminaries, 
uh, speak of Deutero-Isaiah. They put the second part of Isaiah, Isaiah 40 to 66, after the Babylonian exile, because they say there's no such thing as predictive prophecy. And since the Bible predicts that Cyrus names him, 150 years before he's born, names him, Isaiah 44, 28, and declares that he's going to issue a decree that allows the Jews to return is more than they can accept. They can't accept predictive prophecy. So they take Isaiah and split it and put Isaiah 40 to 66 later on and have it written by a second man. So the theme is the judgment of the nation of Judah. It's predicted in Jeremiah 25 and Jeremiah 29. It's also predicted in Habakkuk chapter 1. Now, last time we saw the reasons why God sent them into captivity. Basically, three reasons. Anybody remember? Idolatry, the first one. Rejection of the prophet's message and call to repentance is the second one. What was the third one? Violation of the Sabbath law regarding the land. Let it lie fallow once every 70 years. They disobeyed that law for 490 years. So you divide 490 by 7, what do you get? 70. So that's why God took them out of the land 70 years. They violated the sabbatic law regarding the land for 490 years. And God is an excellent mathematician, kept records, and so he took them out of the land for 70 years. Now, the elegy, E-L-E-G-Y, the elegy is of, of uh, the fall of Jerusalem is found in the first chapter of Lamentations. Lamentations written by Jeremiah. Jeremiah lived through the fall of Jerusalem. What do we have in the word Lamentations? What's the verb? Lament. So, the book of Lamentations is the lamenting of the fall of Jerusalem. And it's described especially in the first chapter of the book of Lamentations. It's an elegy of the fall of Jerusalem. Now, number three, the time, the date. 605 to 535. 605 to 535. 605 is the first deportation. And 535 is the time when they laid the foundation of the temple. Now, if you look up here, uh, this can be figured one of two ways, like a, a parallelogram. We can figure it either from 605 to 535, or we can figure it from 586 to 516. 605 was the first deportation into the land. 605, the first deportation out of the land. Who went in that first deportation? Daniel. Daniel and a few other young men were taken in that first deportation. In the second deportation, Ezekiel was taken along with about 10,000 other Jewish captives. In the third deportation, 586 B.C., several hundred thousands of Jews were taken to Babylon. Uh, and then the decree, then Cyrus defeated uh, Babylon in 539 B.C. 538 B.C., he issued a decree allowing the Jews to return back 
to Jerusalem from Babylon. They waited two years. 536 B.C. they made the trip. They got back to Jerusalem. And in 535, they laid the foundation of the temple. But they stopped building the temple in the same year. They didn't start building it again until 520 B.C. And in 516 B.C., that temple was completed, and they had the celebration of the completion of the temple. So you can figure that date from 605, the first deportation, to the 535, the laying of the foundation of the rebuilt temple. That's 70 years. Or you can figure it from 586, the third deportation, to 516, when the temple was, was uh, completed. Now, as a matter of fact, the Bible really looks at this one as the right part of the seven years. Daniel chapter 1, and in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel begins the figuring of the 70 years from the first deportation. Daniel went in this deportation, and he figures it from this one right here, as well as Jeremiah. So the 70 years probably runs from 605 B.C., the first deportation, to 535 B.C., when the foundation of the temple was laid. They got back in 536, and the temple foundation was laid in 535 B.C. So that's the time. Number four, the geography. Well, there are really four important areas of geography. Obviously, Judah is important. Secondly, Babylon is important because that's the land into which they went, uh, went into captivity. Then Babylon was conquered by Persia, 539, October 539 B.C. So Persia is important. What's the name of Persia today? Iran. Iran. Persia is important. And then Egypt is also important because uh, uh, Egypt is the land to which many of the Jews fled who did not want to go to Babylon. Now we come to the events. The events. Now you notice on your outline that I've divided the events into two major divisions. What is point A? Factual, preliminary factual data. Factual data, preliminary factual data. Then down at the bottom, what is point B? Yeah, chronological review of the event. So what we're going to do is look first at the preliminary factual data about the exile. Then secondly, I want to take a chronological review of the event from 605 B.C. all the way down to about 516 B.C. First of all, the fact, preliminary factual data. And under that, I think I have six or seven things. First of all, the beginning of the exile. That beginning is 605 B.C. How do we know? Daniel 1.1 and Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Let's take our Bibles and turn to those two passages. Daniel chapter 1. Right after Ezekiel. Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Now, we've got two ways of dating events. Jeremiah uses one system. Daniel uses a second system. Um, 
and uh, Daniel probably uses the Babylonian system. Jeremiah uses the Jewish system. So we read in Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and besieged it. Now that's 605 B.C. Jehoiakim became king in 609. But they began the year of his reign, not in the year of his accession, but the year following that. So he got 608 to 607, 607 to 606, and 606 to 605. So in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, according to Daniel, 605 B.C., came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, uh, unto Jerusalem and besieged the city of Jerusalem and, and lay siege to it for a short while and took Daniel and a few other outstanding young men, 16, 17 years of age, took them to Babylon. Now look over at Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9 Babylon has already fallen to the Persians, and Cyrus was the emperor. Under him was a man by the name of Darius. So we read, in the first year of Darius, the son of Hazarius, the seed of the Medes, was made king over the realm of the Babylonians in the first year of his reign, 538 B.C. I, Daniel, understood by books, that is, by the book of Jeremiah, the number of years uh, concerning which the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish how many years? Seven years. So between Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, verse 1, is 605 B.C. Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, is about 538 B.C. And see, Daniel now knows that the seven years are about up. Now, what do you think Daniel believed? Do you think Daniel believed in literal interpretation? Yes. Yes. Why, he believed that when Jeremiah, by God, said seven years, seven years meant seven years. Just as I believe that when the Bible says a thousand years in the millennium, that means a thousand years, not a hundred minutes or a hundred thousand years. Daniel interpreted the Bible literally. And he knew that Jeremiah had said, seven years are going to be accomplished, then I'm going to let your people go back. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, was 605. Daniel was taken from Jerusalem across the desert to Babylon in 605 B.C. Now the kingdom of Babylon has fallen. Now the Persians, along with the Medes, are in control of the Fertile Crescent. And Daniel reads the book of Jeremiah and in Jeremiah 25 and in Jeremiah 29. How long did Jeremiah say they would be in the land of Babylon? So the seven years are almost up, 68 years. Almost seven years. Daniel said, I believe that. I believe God is going to send us back seven years. And... Uh, so he began to pray about it and the prayer of Daniel that God would restore him is found in Daniel chapter 9. That's the whole prayer of Daniel, that thou, Lord, after seven years, wilt restore us back to the land of, of our homeland, back to Jerusalem and Judea. Then do you know I think he did something else? Will you look here? You know, I think he did something else. 
Now, the Bible doesn't tell us this. But Daniel was held in high respect, first by the Babylonians, then secondly by the Persians. Why, Darius the king loved Daniel. And when he wrote that decree about putting him in the lion's den, that was Darius. And Daniel was about 86, 87 years old when he was put in the lion's den. You know, I always thought he was about 18 years old. He was about 86 or 87. That was 538 B.C. Daniel was at least 15 at 605 when he went to captivity. Here it's about 538 B.C. And Daniel's about 86 or 87 years of age when he's put in that lion's den. And you remember, Darius was forced to do it. But he, he virtually wept over that. He loved Daniel dearly. When Cyrus the emperor came in, Darius was underneath him. When Cyrus came in, Daniel had the ear of Cyrus, and I have no doubt that Daniel went to Cyrus. I firmly believe that Daniel went to Cyrus with the book of Jeremiah and with the book of Isaiah and said to Cyrus, Hear, O king, in, in, in the book of Jeremiah, the prophecies of Jeremiah, which have been fulfilled again and again, here is a statement that our people will be in this foreign land 70 years. And the 70 years are now up. More than that, Cyrus, look here. Isaiah 44, 28. Isaiah chapter 45. Your name is mentioned. 150 years before you were born, your name was mentioned. And the Lord God said, 150 years before you were born, he called you Cyrus, my anointed. Or to transliterate it, Cyrus, my Mashiach, my Messiah, my anointed one, that Cyrus would open the gate and allow Israel, the Jew, to go back to Babylon. And Cyrus was so impressed by that that although he was a pagan king, yet so impressed was he by the prophecies and by the demeanor of this man, Daniel, that Cyrus, Ezra chapter 1, Cyrus issued a decree allowing all the Jews to return back to Jerusalem from Babylon. And those Jews that did not want to return, and many of the majority of them did not want to return to Jerusalem, those Jews that did not want to return were to be taxed heavily to pay the cost of those who were going to return. And that was by the edict of Cyrus, the king himself. So, here it is predicted. Predicted the beginning of the exile, 605 B.C. Number two, the length of the exile, 70 years. Given to us in Daniel chapter 9, 1 and 2, and Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10. Why 70 years? Why 70 years? Sabbath law was violated for a period of 490 years. Number three, the kings of Babylon. The kings of Babylon. Now, the Neo-Babylonian, the Neo-Babylonian Empire was coterminous with the captivity of Judah. That is, it ran from about 605 to 539 B.C. Let me mention the kings very quickly. I think I have them on that outline. Do I not? The first one, I don't. The first one was a man by the name of Nabopolassar. Now, Nabopolassar was not the king of... He was simply the governor of Babylon. Babylon was under Assyria. 
Nabal Polassar, however, defeated the city of Nineveh in, in, in 612 B.C. And for all intents and purposes, the kingdom, the empire of Assyria was destroyed in the fall of Nineveh, and it was Nabal Polassar that defeated now, Nabal-Polassar is the father of Nebuchadnezzar II. So when Nabal-Polassar died in 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar came on the throne. Now, the second one, the first one there is Nebuchadnezzar. Is that correct? All right, Nebuchadnezzar is the first great king of Babylon, the first great king of the empire of Babylon. Matter of fact, the first king of the empire of Babylon. He defeated the Egyptians at the Battle of Carchemish in 605 B.C. Now, Carchemish is uh, up north. We don't have, unfortunately, the maps out here. And even if I get them out here, I'm not sure that we'll be able to find Carchemish. But let's try it. This is Paul's travel, so we won't find it there. And let's see if we find it here. What does that say? All right, here's Carchemish. Carchemish. 605 B.C., the two great powers vying for authority over the Fertile Crescent. This Fertile Crescent was, uh, was the great object of um, battle and warfare for thousands of years between the people who lived on the southeast part of the Fertile Crescent, and the Egyptians who lived down on the southwest part. This was always the land, the Fertile Crescent, the land of warfare. Now, in the Battle of Carchemish, one of the great decisive battles in history, the Battle of Carchemish, the Battle of Carchemish, 605 B.C., uh, Nebuchadnezzar came up, Battle of Carchemish, and defeated Pharaoh Necho in the Battle of Carchemish, 605 B.C. And it was a decisive defeat. Uh, when they decisively defeated uh, Pharaoh Necho and destroyed virtually all the army of Pharaoh Necho, Pharaoh Necho retreated back to Egypt, and this left all of Syria and Palestine open to Nebuchadnezzar. So uh, 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 Nebuchadnezzar defeated the Egyptians at the Battle of Carchemish in, uh, in the spring of 605 B.C. After defeating them in the spring of 605 B.C., he marched on down through Syria, down to Palestine, and came on down to Jerusalem, laid siege to Jerusalem, conquered it. But as he was conquering it, he got word that his father, Nabal Polassar, had died. And there were other brothers who aspired to the throne. So Nebuchadnezzar took about, I don't know, a couple of dozen of the finest young men. Daniel was among them. Took a couple of dozen of those young men. And normally they would go across the Fertile Crescent. But this time they went straight across the desert to Babylon. And there at Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar established his right to rule over the Babylonian Empire in 605 B.C. Why did he take Babylon? Well, the Babylonians introduced a new system. They would take young men, young men, 16, 15, 14 years old, train them, train them 
in the political and economic structure of the life of Babylon and then send them back as governors of the land from which they came. Very smart idea. And Daniel was an outstanding young man. So among the other men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, he selected these men to come over to Babylon. That's 605 B.C. Well, Nebuchadnezzar lasted from 605 to 562 B.C. He died in 562 B.C., probably the greatest of the Babylonian rulers. There followed him the third man, whose name was Abel Marduk, or in the Bible he's called Evil Marduk. He lasted two years, 562 to 560. He's mentioned in Jeremiah 52. Then, fourth, we have a man by the name of Neraglister, who lasted 560 to 556 B.C. He's mentioned in Jeremiah 39. He murdered Abel Marduk and came to the throne that way. Then followed him his son, Labashi Marduk, who lasted but one year, 556. He was killed by a man by the name of Nabonidus. That on that outline? Nabonidus. All right, now Nabonidus. Nabonidus reigned from 556 to 539 B.C. Nabonidus. But Nabonidus is somewhat of a mystic. He liked to get interested in religious ideas and thoughts. He was philosophically inclined. He didn't like to reign very much. So Nabonidus had a son. And Nabonidus was the emperor, but he made his son Belshazzar really the co-regent. Belshazzar was not the king, but he was the co-regent. And Belshazzar was the man in the, land, in the city of Babylon when Babylon fell to the Persians, 539 B.C. Matter of fact, Nabonidus, <clears throat> Nabonidus left Babylon, went way down south of Edom for the last 10 years of his rule. He absented himself from the city and left Babylon under the rule of his son, Belshazzar, so that although Nabonidus was technically the king, the emperor, Belshazzar, his king, was the co-regent. Now, Belshazzar offered to Daniel something when he saw the writing of the wall, meaning, meaning, tackle you farther. Belshazzar offered him something. Let's look at Daniel chapter 5 and see what he offered him. Daniel chapter 5. When, Belshazzar, when Daniel interpreted the writing, the handwriting on the wall, Belshazzar offered Daniel something. That found in Daniel chapter 5. Verse 29, after he interpreted that, verse 29, Daniel 5, 29, then commanded, what's the man's name, verse 29, then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet, put a chain of gold about his neck, made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the, what ruler? Third ruler. You know, up to about 100, about 100 years ago, the liberals, the radical liberals used to make hay out of that. How could Daniel be the third ruler? How could Daniel be the third ruler? Belshazzar's the king. We don't even know about this Belshazzar. We know about Nabonidus. How could, how could Daniel be the third ruler? Until the last hundred years, 
they discovered that Nabonidus abdicated virtually the throne. Belshazzar, his son, was the co-regent. So when Belshazzar offered Daniel a part in the kingdom, he offered him to be the what ruler? Third ruler. Daniel, the third ruler. Belshazzar, the second ruler. Nabonidus, the first ruler. But it wasn't to be. Because that night, Babylon was conquered by Persia, and Babylon fell in one, one night. That was it. And Nabonidus and, and, and Belshazzar, the co-regent, was the last king, and he was only the co-regent. When Babylon fell to Persia, 539, October 539 B.C., both Nabonidus and Belshazzar were slain, but not Daniel. He was kept alive. Now, number four. What do you have in your outline on number four? The state of the Jews in Babylon. Is that right? All right, the state of the Jews in Babylon. They lived in the city or close to the city of Babylon. You know, Babylon was a magnificent city. About 15, about, uh, 15 miles long, about 15 miles wide. It was surrounded by a wall that was 200 feet, 200 feet high. I think you drive uh, chariots, three chariots, side by side around the wall. It was almost impregnable, city of Babylon. In fact, when the Greeks came to Babylon and discovered it, uh, they called it the seventh wonder of the world. The hanging gardens of Babylon and the structure of Babylon, the religious sites of Babylon, the walls, the size of it, they called it the seventh wonder of the world. Now, the Jews... Uh, did not get along too badly in Babylon. Many settled on what's called C-H-E-B-R, Kebar, or Kebar. The river was a canal near Babylon. You know, the Tigris, if you look here, the Tigris and Euphrates come together down the Persian Gulf. And the Babylonians down in this area built canals across between the Tigris and Euphrates River. And Kebar was one of those canals and the Jews tended to settle on the rivers and the canals. They were treated as colonists more than as slaves and given some liberty. They settled in the land. They planted. They built businesses. They longed for home. Some were in slavery, but some were free. But all in all, they were treated rather well. They learned the language of the Babylonians, which was called the Aramaic language. And so Daniel... Which book was written in Babylon? Daniel chapter 1, 1 to 2, 3 is written in Hebrew. Daniel chapter 8 to 12 is written in Hebrew. But Daniel chapter 2, verse 4 to 7, verse 28 is written in Aramaic. When the exile was over, so many of the Jews were so well off in Babylon that they did not return to Jerusalem. There were several hundred thousand that were taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. There were several hundred thousand that were taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. Some of them prospered. Some of them faced severe persecution. Those who went in the second deportation prospered. Those who went in the third deportation were rather severely treated. Some amassed wealth. How many were taken? Well, in the first deportation, probably not more than a couple of dozen. Second deportation... We know from 2 Kings, about 10,000 were taken. 
How many were taken in the fall of Jerusalem in the third deportation? We don't know, but we do know that when the Jews returned in 536 B.C., that uh, about 42,500 returned, and that was a minority. So we suppose that in the third deportation, probably over 200, 300,000 were taken into Babylon. The literature of the Jews during this time are Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. And I have on the chart, I've indicated when these men wrote. Jeremiah began writing in 627 B.C. and he wrote up to 585 B.C., one year after the fall of Babylon, the third fall uh, of Jerusalem. Ezekiel was taken into captivity to Babylon. He began his ministry in 592 B.C., five years after the second deportation. He lasted until 570 B.C. Now, Daniel, Daniel, and I've got that wrong, and I can't see the chart. Here it is. Daniel was taken in this captivity. He ought to start here in 605 B.C., and Daniel lasted all the way over to 536 B.C. So if Daniel were about 15 years old when he was taken to captivity, and he couldn't have been much older or younger, about 15 years old, 536 B.C., you see he was 65 and 20, 65 and 20, that'd be 85, 86 years old, 536 B.C., when he went to Cyrus and showed him that prophecy. And Daniel was the one prophet that lived all through the Babylonian captivity from the first deportation until the Jews returned. He lived to the third year of, of, of Cyrus, which would have been about 535 B.C. Now, let's look at a chronological review of the events of the exile. Chronological review of the events. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. How many events do you have on there? 18 events. Chronological review of events. All right, let's see if we can cover this. Chronological review of, of the events of the exile. Here is a chronological survey of events. One, number one, Jerusalem was first attacked by Nebuchadnezzar 605 B.C. Four things took place in 605. First, Jeremiah predicted in 605 B.C. the 70-year captivity. Second, Nebuchadnezzar defeated Pharaoh Necho at Carchemish in June of 605 B.C., and that opened up Syria and Palestine. Third, Nebuchadnezzar invaded Palestine and conquered Jerusalem in the fall of 605 B.C. Then news reached him of his father's death and he had to make a quick return across the desert back home to Babylon to be crowned as the king of Babylon. That all took place in 605 B.C. Jerusalem first attacked by Nebuchadnezzar in 605 B.C., and that's the first deportation. Number two, number two, the Jewish captives were taken to Babylon in how many deportations does that say? Three of them. First one is in what year? Who went in 605? Daniel. Second one was in 597. Who went in 597? Ezekiel and about 10,000 captives. 
The third one is in what year? 586. After an 18-month siege, 588 to 586, Nebuchadnezzar breached the wall, broke down the walls, broke down the temple, and took several hundred thousand captives. Now, he appointed a general after that to watch over the city of Jerusalem. He left only the poor of the land in Jerusalem. And he left the general there. And the general offered to Jeremiah the option of going to Babylon or staying in Jerusalem. And Jeremiah chose to stay in Jerusalem with the remaining Jews in Jerusalem. They kidnapped him later on and took him on down to Egypt. Number three. What is number three in your outline? The temple and the walls were destroyed in 586 B.C. We looked that last time. On the third, when they, after laying siege to the city for 18 months, Nebuchadnezzar was finally able to starve the city out, and they breached the walls, and they entered the city. And when they did it, they destroyed two things. They destroyed the walls, and they destroyed the temple, and they took all the golden vessels of the temple over to Babylon, and those were the vessels out of which they were drinking at the Feast of Belshazzar. Now, what book tells us about the rebuilding of the temple? No, Ezra. And what book tells us about the rebuilding of the walls? Nehemiah. Those two books. Ezra tells us about the rebuilding of the temple, 435, finished in 516. Nehemiah tells us about the rebuilding of the walls back in about 4. 45 B.C. Number four, Judah is now only a province of Babylon. She's now lost her national independence. From now on, she's a dependent country. First to Babylon. Next to who? Persia. From 538 to 330 B.C., She's dependent upon Persia. She's a province of Persia. 330 B.C., she becomes a province of what country? Greece, Alexander the Great. And then about 66 B.C., she becomes a province of Rome. And in 70 A.D., the city of Jerusalem is destroyed by Rome. So from this point on, Jerusalem and Judea lose their national identity. No longer are they an independent country. They are, they are now under the rule of somebody else. Now, number five, Gedaliah, the first ruler of Judea, was appointed as the governor by Nebuchadnezzar. When Jerusalem fell in 586 and Nebuchadnezzar took over, took several hundred thousand back to Babylon, he still left the poor of the land in Jerusalem and Judea. So he had to appoint a governor, and he appointed a man by the name of Gedaliah. That's given to us in 2 Kings 25. Now, Jeremiah warns Gedaliah that a man by the name of Ishmael plots to kill him. But Gedaliah didn't listen to Jeremiah. So number six, Ishmael and others kill Gedaliah. That's 2 Kings 25. And that was kept secret for a few days. Then it leaked out. When it leaked out, Ishmael knew that he had to flee the country. So number seven, 
a group of Jews about 585 B.C. A group of Jews fled to Egypt. Jeremiah warns them against going to Egypt. Jeremiah says, stay in the land. God will deliver it for 70 years. You know what he did? You know what happened to land prices? You know what happened to land prices when Nebuchadnezzar invaded the land and took several thousand people captive? What happened to land prices? They plummeted. Plummeted. What would cost $10,000? You could buy for $100. Do you know what happened? Nobody could sell property. Nobody. Nobody could sell property. Jeremiah, on the eve of the captivity, instructed by God, went out and bought some property. They thought he was insane. He bought some property and paid good prices for that property. What was he, why was he doing it? He was instructed by God. Why? To demonstrate his faith and confidence in God's word that although the Jews would be taken out of the land, 70 years later, they would be brought back to the land, and this property, which I am buying, will belong to my children. And as a demonstration of his confidence in God's word, he went out and bought property where nobody else was buying it and nobody could sell it. And while the Jews were in Jerusalem, even after Nebuchadnezzar took them over to Babylon, took most of them over there, Jeremiah counseled, counseled, counseled carefully. Be loyal. Obey the Babylonians. Seventy years later, God is going to overthrow them and return us to our country. Don't lean on Egypt. You've been hurt too many times by leaning on Egypt. Don't lean on Egypt. But they didn't listen to Jeremiah. And they went on down to Egypt. When they went on down to Egypt, they kidnapped Jeremiah, verse number 8. Jeremiah was taken by force to Egypt, although he was glad to be able to minister. The Babylonian period gave Jeremiah an option to go to Babylon or to stay in Jerusalem. He stayed in Jerusalem, and then he was kidnapped by these people who were going to Egypt, and he went was taken down uh, to Egypt. And there is the last we see of Jeremiah down in Egypt, given to us in Jeremiah 43. Number nine, the Jews in Babylon and the Babylonian monarchs. We've already covered that point previously. They got along fairly well. I reviewed the Babylonian emperors. Number ten, the ministry of Ezekiel in Babylon. The ministry of Ezekiel in Babylon. Now, you can see that on the board. Ezekiel began his ministry in Babylon, began his ministry in 627 B.C., but he began his ministry in Babylon in 502, in 592 B.C., and he lasted till 570. Now, take your Bible and turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 1 to see this. Ezekiel chapter 1. Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Look at Ezekiel chapter 1. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, 
in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Kibar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. That was in the fifth day of the month, which is the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. Now, when was Jehoiakim taken captivity? The second deportation. What was the second deportation? So what would the fifth year of Jehoiakim's captivity be? 592 B.C. That's when Jeremiah began his ministry in Babylon. Now, already he had been active in Jerusalem, ministering there. Started probably in 527, uh, 627 B.C. <coughs> but he began his ministry in Babylon in 592 B.C. And he dates it there in Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 2. All right, number 11. The release of Jehoiakim by the king Amal Marduk. You remember Jehoiakim was taken captive in 597 B.C., taken captive to, to uh, Babylon. 560 B.C., the king at that time ruled two years was Amal Marduk, or in the Bible he's called Evil Marduk, and he released Jehoiakim. Number 12. The Jews in Babylon were treated rather well, depending on which deportation was involved. First deportation, only a few people. Second deportation, 597, those Jews were treated well. But in the third deportation, remember, Jerusalem tried to resist them for 18 months. So consequently, when several hundred thousand of these who resisted the Babylonians for 18 months were taken over to Babylon, they were treated rather evilly. They got along much worse than the Jews, the 10,000 Jews that were taken in the second deportation. And Ezekiel mentions that in Ezekiel chapter 3. Number 13. What is number 13 your outline? See, I'm given a chronological review. Number 13, the fall of Babylon in October... 590-39 B.C. October 590-39 B.C. General Gobriah, General Gobriah attacked the city of Babylon. He was a general under Cyrus. They thought the city of Babylon was impregnable, but it wasn't. And in October 539 B.C., General Gobriah attacked the city of Babylon. On the very night that he attacked it, and the city fell. On that same night, what was Daniel doing? Tur re reading, interpreting that writing on the wall. Meany, meany, tekel, you parson. Weighed, weighed, weighed in the balances, found wanting, you're going to be judged. And that very night that Daniel interpreted the reading on that wall, that very night Babylon fell to the Medes and the Persians and especially to General Gobrias. The city fell swiftly. Now, Herodotus, the Greek historian, tells us it happened this way. Whether it did or not, historians are not agreed. But Herodotus, who's called the father of Greek history, or really called the father of history, great Greek historian, describes it this way. There was a river that ran through the city of Babylon. Babylon was virtually impregnable. In fact, they thought it was so impregnable 
that the soldiers on watch were drunk that night. They had no fear that it would be taken. They knew the Persians were outside. But our city is impregnable. Cannot be taken. These great walls and the moat. It was an outside wall, a moat, and an inside wall. The city's impregnable. Nobody can take it. But the Persians hit upon a very, uh, a very uh, smart strategy. The river ran right through. The river Tigris ran right through. Uh, the river Euphrates ran right through the city of Babylon. So the general got on the north side of the city and built a canal from the south around the city to the north. And then at the last moment, he dug the last few remaining bits of dirt to that canal between that canal and the river, and he then uh, sandbagged, barged up the river as it flowed into the city, and he diverted the river around that canal that he had built around to the south, side and that left the riverbed going into the city without any water in it and then his troops came in the soldiers in Babylon the Babylonian soldiers were all drunk and Persia conquered the city one night now that's the story Herodotus tells us and we have no reason to doubt it the city of Babylon fell in one night and as a matter of fact, the people inside the Babylonians rather welcomed the Persians because the king, Nabonidus, had forsaken them. He had been absent for 10 years, and conditions in the city were poor since he had forsaken them for 10 years. And so they were not too unpleased to see the Persians conquer the city. They felt they couldn't be any worse off. Number 14. The Persian Empire now becomes the dominant empire. You remember Daniel's vision? There was, first of all, the head of gold. Who was that head of gold? Babylon. Then next there was the chest of silver. Now here's the chest of silver. Persia, the Medo-Persian Empire. That Medo-Persian Empire lasted from 539 to 330 B.C. Now, number 15, the interregnum of Darius the Mede. Darius the Mede, see, it was two empires, Media, Persia. Darius was a Median, and Darius is sovereign of the city of Babylon, odd interim for a short while, until Cyrus arrives. Cyrus, the king of Persia, is the real monarch. Darius appoints Daniel, one of the rulers, in the city, and the and, uh, and the man under whom Darius, uh, Daniel was put into the lion's den, you recall, is this man, Darius. He was the odd interim sovereign until Cyrus arrived. Number 16, Cyrus assumes control soon after this, probably about 538 B.C., and shortly after he assumes control, Cyrus issues a decree allowing the Jews to return. Now let's turn to Ezra chapter 1. This is found in two places. Second Chronicles 36 and Ezra chapter 1. Ezra chapter 1. Let's read this. 
This is told in two places, Second Chronicles 36, Ezra chapter 1. Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, which would be 538 B.C., now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus and probably used Daniel to do it, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house, a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judea. Where did he charge him at? Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. He's charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem. Daniel probably showed Cyrus that prophecy. Cyrus said, he, God has charged me to build him a temple at Jerusalem. Verse 3. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remains in any place where he sojourns, that is, any Jew who wants to stay back here in Babylon, let the men of his place help him with silver, help the man that's going back with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts beside the free will offering the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the heads of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin, preached to the Levites and all those whose spirit God had raised to go back to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. One of the most important decrees, I suppose, in human history. Here's a decree by a pagan sovereign, indicted by God's almighty power, predicted 150 years before this, that allowed the Jews to go back to Jerusalem. So, the Jews, number 17, number 17, the Jews arrive in Jerusalem, they wait about two years to go back, getting ready. The Jews go back to Jerusalem in 536 B.C. Ezra chapter 2 tells us there are 42,360 Jews and there are about 7,000 servants, so there are about 50,000 that return. And in 535 B.C., they begin work on the temple. When were they taken into captivity 605 B.C. When did they begin rebuilding the temple? 535 B.C. They got back in about latter part of 536. They begin lay the foundation temple 535. They went first into Babylon in 605. They laid the foundation of the temple in 535. How many years? 605 to 535. 70 years. That's the 70 years captivity. And that's a chronological review of the exile. Now, I wanted to do one more thing. And that is, and I'll save it till next time, I wanted to cover the blessings of the exile for the Jew. What were the blessings of the exile for the Jew? I wanted to cover that, but I don't have time to do so this morning. I'm going to do it next time. Let me ask you one question. Uh, while uh, I get, may I get Bill, where back there, Bill, and let me get a couple of other people here to pass.
Well, first of all, they had the singing of the songs. Secondly, they had prayer. Third, they read a portion of Scripture, designated portion of Scripture. Fourth, if there was any visiting rabbi, they invited that rabbi to come up and, and deliver a message on that, on that Scripture for that day. Sometimes he'd speak for five minutes. Sometimes he'd speak for 50 minutes. He delivered a message. When it was through, they usually ended with an with a, uh, uh, antiphonal hymn, the song, and then they had a benediction. They went home. Where did we get our modern church service? From the synagogues. How many synagogues in the city of Jerusalem in the days of Jesus and Paul? About as many as there were gas stations in the city of Memphis. About 500 synagogues in Jerusalem alone. How many temples? One. How many synagogues? About 500. And wherever you went, the synagogue was there. And wherever Paul went, he always headed for the synagogue because that's where they knew the Old Testament scriptures. That's where they knew the Messiah. And that's where they had a beachhead for the gospel. And that's where he went, the synagogue. Now, I, may I have, you have that. Father, we thank thee for thy grace and goodness, for thy help. Thank thee for this great period of history uh, through which Judah went. Uh, we recognize that that nation or people that honors thee, thou wilt honor. That nation of people that despises thee, thou wilt judge. So here's this history, the history of Judah, which they were taken to Babylon and, and were punished and were chastened by God, but through it came back stronger, and through thy providence many things came into existence like the synagogue through this experience of seven years in captivity. And we pray, Lord, that as we conclude our study in the next two weeks, that thou wilt make this a very profitable conclusion to the study for the whole year. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.